Hello, <laughs> I am Nicole VZ and you know everything. I'm squeezing in a quick one today. Um, that probably sounds really gross. You're welcome. But hey, this whole episode is about problems. And as you know, on You Know Everything, we like to talk about the paradigms of possibility, the power of problems, pushing new new paradigms of possibility out into the, into the ether. Uh, we talk about big ideas and big business. I am exploring all concepts of 21st century business, what new world business looks like. And in doing that, my friend, I think it is time to celebrate problems because problems are awesome. And I get to talk with lots of different people about all of their problems. And the very first assumption is something is fucked up when we are experiencing a problem. And that is where, my friend, I must challenge you on that assumption because noticing that something is out of alignment, that something is not going the way that you want it to, that is your cue for improvement. If we don't celebrate and bring forward all of our problems, <laughs> we're never going to get any better. Things are never going to get any better. So it's super, super obvious, super easy to get triggered by a problem, right? It's like we immediately spin out into blame, into shame, into name. And I see it all day, every day in this like obscene, innate desire to find this pinpoint of origin for this particular pain point and obliterate it. The thing is, is there's usually a lot of different variables. And anytime we're saying it's because of something outside of ourselves, we're disempowering. And now there's a huge difference between trying to control something you have no control over and like trying to take your power back, right? So so this is inspired by all of my business owners who have problems with employees. This is inspired by every human with a partner who is continually picking on them or feeling like they're being picked on. This is for every child who has grown up. This is for every parent with a child. This is for anybody who is on this path of growth and development that thinks that sometimes somewhere in the land of perfect, they're going to get to a place where there's no more struggle, there's no more doubt, there's no more pain, and there's no more problems. That place does not exist, and it would be really boring, and it would mean that like you're not growing anymore. So I don't, like, do you even really want that? My sense is no, because you're listening to this, and that means that you're ambitious, and anytime you get to the end of your desired destination, your journey, you just, you just kick that, you kick that destination down the road and you keep going. So our reaction is our cue. When we spin out, when we start blaming people, when we start blaming ourselves, just recognize, oh, I'm having a really big feeling because there is a problem. Yay. That's the pattern interrupt. Let's celebrate the problems. If you don't, what you're doing is creating a culture, an experience, a self, an exchange, a relationship that wants to stay stuck, where nobody talks about the hard stuff because we don't know how, where no one rolls up the perceived challenges because we're afraid of being punished, and where we're so caught up in externalizing that there's no option for us to actually own this 
and say, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. That's okay. Let's figure it out. Let's try something new. Let's build our skill set. This is about, and this might be a little challenging, but instead of going into the blame, shame, name cycle, instead of saying, okay, well, this is my fault. I'll own it. I'll take responsibility for it. I'll try and fix it. I'll murder myself because this isn't mine. And if they don't like my solution or my solution doesn't work, I blame them. I blame myself and we do this all over again. And it is exhausting. We can simply go, oh, okay, sweet. There's a problem. Let's get back. Let's get back to it. I didn't fuck everything up. If I think that I am reacting, if I think they fucked everything up, we don't have enough information right now. We cannot draw the conclusion. <laughs> you'll, you'll look back with 2020 hindsight on every single fucking problem that you've had and you've solved and it makes for an amazing story or it's the reason why you X, Y, Z and you got here and are listening to this today. So no, <laughs> that. If it feels impossible right now, if you're listening to this because you're distracting yourself from the hell, 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 what am I trying to say? Hell, scape, quagmire, <laughs> nightmare that is your experience, it's okay. You have not fucked it up. You can take 30 minutes, maybe. I don't know if this is going to be a long one. <sighs> and take a breath. Problems are fucking good. Problems, everything is awesome. Problems are totally awesome. So we've recognized the cycle, right? All that cycle just does is keep you stuck and safe doing the same thing over and over again, because you know what that is. Uncertainty feels a hell of a lot better to your ego than uncertainty. It's why people stay in abusive situations. That's extreme, but it's why people stay in shitty, toxic jobs, not as extreme. And it's also maybe why you're listening to this instead of actually doing something. Oh, I said it. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Um, I'm all for taking a minute though, because you want to neutralize that charge, right? So if you are feeling super emotional, just recognize that I'm having a really big feeling. Talk to yourself like you're a three-year-old having a tantrum because you are, because you learned when you were three, that having a tantrum was actually a really effective way of discharging your energy. And you got a lot of attention and people just wanted you to shut the fuck up. So they just gave you whatever it is that they thought would pacify you. That's what happens when we have problems. And some people never graduated from that. Why? Because that tantrum still gets them what they want. So create a culture that celebrates problems. Do you know what motivates you? It's probably not money because all of the money in the world does not make for happier, healthier, more enlightened beings. We all know that it's cliche. If you don't have a lot of money, it absolutely feels like that, not discounting it. So then go get the job for the money. Stop listening to this and go do something to earn money, right? Like if money is the true motivation, sweet, recognize it. Absolutely no judgment. And also a lot of employers, a lot of people in power that I get to work with don't actually understand what motivates their people. If I talk about their leadership team or their their hires, their vendors, their partners, their shareholders and stakeholders. And I ask what motivates them. They tell me what motivates themselves, which may motivate them. But if you've got someone who has a young family, flexibility, freedom might be a hell of a lot more important than a salary in this particular moment. So by rewarding them with that incentive, and by creating a space where they feel like they can say, hey, I have to go home because my kid's sick, you're going to create a solution to 
to a problem, which is somebody feeling like they can't be their whole selves. They can't bring their shit to work. They don't know how to talk about how being stressed out or feeling distracted. That was like a really specific example that I kind of just jumped into. But what I'm trying to share is problem solving. The solution comes from our own motivations by bringing different people together to talk about a perceived problem. You're going to bring all of that creativity, all of that possibility and potential to sit down at the same table. Now, the idea is not to make everybody happy all of the time, but to create this synergy where we can at least say, Hey, rather than recounting my to-do list for the week, which like you're a grown up, you should probably be doing what you said you were going to be doing. If you're not, that's a different challenge problem to be overcome again, no judgment, but there is information there. Like if you're not getting to everything on your to-do list over and over and over again, evaluate your to-do list, evaluate your capacity. If the same three things keep getting pushed to the bottom of the list, maybe they're not something you're going to do. What if that's not a problem? You'll hear me ask that question over and over and over again. What if this isn't a problem? Problem labels something as bad. That's why challenge is a word that you will hear used by, um, woo, uh, woke wankers. (laughs) We got there with the alliteration, but, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll hear that because challenge has a very different energy around it. It suggests there's an opportunity available, whereas problem just feels very closed minded. And, um, like this is it, this is the outcome. It's a problem. When you understand why this problem is here, you can figure out how to solve it. And that's kind of what I mean in terms of motivation. Like, why should somebody care? How does this affect them? And most importantly, how will the solution benefit them, benefit the group? You might, there's this interesting um, study that was done in management theory and organizational change. And it was a bunch of whole, uh, they they, um, took a whole bunch of different factories with factory workers. So for the most part, these people are doing the exact same job, the exact same way. They have the exact same metrics, right? And so it was four different factories, hundreds of employees. One of the factories uh, involved the employees in change. And they said, we're going to be testing. We're going to bring in this new equipment, basically, which is actually going to impact your jobs in a certain way. And all of the employees were like, we don't want this to happen. Here are all of our reasons. With the other three factories, they implemented the change with varying degrees of communication, but like incredibly limited. Like the employees were not brought in on the change process in the factory where the employees were brought in, even though they vocalized, we don't want this. We don't want to participate in this. They think it's bad. After the change, they were much happier than all of the other employees who had not been brought in on the process. And that's what I mean by you can bring these problems to the group and trust that regardless of the solution or outcome, everybody will be more bought in because they participated in the examination because problems are good. (laughs) They are positive explorations of how we can all do better. And it's no one's fault. This didn't happen. I mean, yes, someone fucked up, but why do people fuck up, especially at work? There's generally four reasons. One, they simply don't have the skills. Two, they don't understand the scope of work. Three, they don't have the resources. That might mean like the right um, tools, the right, uh, like, I mean, it can be everything from like their computer's too slow to um, their software keeps restarting. Like there's been some wild things when we've really gotten into why isn't this happening that if you don't, if you don't explore it from these like three. And then the fourth being time, it's just simply not enough time to execute the task. 
Those are generally the four reasons you have people underperforming. It's not because they're a dickhead and they wake up in the morning. And they're like, I'm gonna fuck some shit up today. I'm going to make everybody mad at me. Like, no, they, they, they lack something that will allow them to be successful. Create a culture of celebration. Oh, organizational culture. This is, this was a concept I think that was very heavily introduced in like the early nineties when we started having feelings, <laughs> But it's, it's not something that you put on a fucking sign in your office and you're like, the biggest and boldest will for, prevail or, you know, freedom is um, creativity and solutions. Like, it's how you do your work. It's how you show up. It's the energy. It's the feelings you bring to every situation. And you'll know immediately how an organization treats its problems, how you treat your problems based on how people show up. If you've got a gossip, if you have people blaming, especially those like quote unquote underneath them, like every leader should recognize if there is a problem that it's their own, it is not their people's. So there's that. It, it, like, it probably sounds cliche to say like problems are awesome, but I find in most, even the most enlightened, woke, fucking conscious, creative leaders, there is still this irritation and profound disappointment when a problem shows up and it takes practice and commitment and awareness to truly transform your way of thinking about problems so that when it shows up, you're like, fuck yeah, we get to overcome this. And also this isn't going to happen instantly. And especially if you're in leadership and we all lead, we lead ourselves first, waiting for that energy, that negativity, that level one, two, you know, you know, to dissipate is hard. It's excruciating. A lot of us want to move a hell of a lot quicker than we are recognizing that problem has shown up either it's it's looking and feeling very similar to an similarly to an old one so we now get to demonstrate the strength and the resilience and the wisdom and the experience we've accumulated along the way and 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 take this problem out forever or it is something nuanced it is it is the next level and we're dealing with a challenge we really haven't actually experienced yet and so the only way to gain the skills to overcome this is to go through it the only way through is through right and if it happens overnight you're probably going to miss the like i should say if it happens instantly there there might be a lesson or a learning or or some strength building that gets overseen and it's going to circle back around. But, you know, when we talk about the spiral, I think about, because so often you'll hear people say, well, we've already been through this. We've already talked about this. We've already addressed this. Like, why are we going over this again? I like to think about leadership as saying the same thing over and over again in new and exciting ways. But I talk about this a lot with my clients. The more successful that you get, you will be battling the same enemies, but they dress, they're dressed up in completely different outfits. And the subtleties of their, um, subservience, the subtleties of their like influence is it almost sounds good. Like I'm trying to think of an example right now and I'll think of one while we're talking, but it's, um, I was working. So one of my clients was talking about how they wanted to start introducing events and paid events. And one of their employees said, well, no one will pay to do this. 
and this is a this is um, an ex. Not, uh, she's not an expat. She's a foreigner living in a, in a. I mean, she's been there for decades, but she trusted that other the the native more than her own instinct because she you know the, like and that's what I mean by we can deflect our own confidence, our own trust in ourselves. We can ignore our intuitive gut instinct because like well she should know she lives here. She's lived here her whole life. She gets it maybe but she doesn't have your vision. She doesn't know what you're trying to create. No one's ever done what you're doing before. So how could she possibly know if someone will pay for it or not? Turns out every single person who went to the event was like, I cannot believe you didn't charge for this. I won't even get into the rest of that story, but that's what I mean by she thought she was doing the right thing. She thought she was making a really responsible choice. She, uh, went, you know, she was people pleasing 100% wanting to keep everybody happy and feeling like they're contributing. And, um, yeah, the event was break even, which is obviously not a bad thing, but imagine had she had a huge budget to then plan the next amazing event, how to encourage problems. Meetings are a really strong cultural indicator of how you address problems. You can think of this in your personal life. You can think of this in your professional life. You can think of this in relationship and partnership, but what's the agenda? How are you approaching it? Is this something where you're going to simply recount everything that's happened and cannot be changed and is ultimately someone's version of a story of what reality might have been at some point? Or are you going to focus on this current moment and what's happening? And do you feel comfortable saying, I'm uncomfortable right now, and here's why? Not because of what's been, but because of what might be. Can we work together to overcome any potential obstacles. How important is this challenge? Is this where we should be focusing our energy? I'm distracted by the fear or the anxiety or the uncertainty that I have. Is this something I even feel like I can bring to this experience? Do I feel like I have the agency or the privilege to talk about my concerns? Is all I do talk about my concerns? Ooh, been there, done that, right? When you feel safe to express, that is a very strong indicator of the culture in which you are operating. And now we all know the game that's being played. And it's not to say that if you don't feel safe, that's bad in this context. What it is safe to say is allow the ability to celebrate problems <laughs> Be determined by the experience and then take from that what you will. And you've heard this phrase, like read the room, but you know, you don't need to, uh, as a, as an overshare, not everybody wants to know your intimate life secrets when you're waiting in line to get a coffee. Okay. Sometimes people don't even want to have a chat at all. If you've ever experienced, uh, I think they call it like an oversharing hangover, um, I'm getting a little lost in the weeds on this one, but what I'm saying is it's not about talking about all of the problems all of the time, everywhere you go. It, this is using this very like constructively. This, this might not be such a new concept for everybody. This is a wildly adventurous concept for me that not everybody wants to know everything that I'm thinking all of the time. And it could be perceived as complaining about all of the things as someone who celebrates problems, I might be pointing them out a lot. And so just notice, like, do, do I want to be able to speak freely in this experience? If not, why not? Why do I feel like I can't speak up? I have to be silent. I'm not safe to share. 
again, am I in line in a coffee shop? This might not be that big of a deal. But if this is my relationship with my employer or my relationship with my partner or my relationship with my family, that's, that's a place to explore. My family does not talk about problems. I don't need to talk about my problems with my family. That's not ever what I expected from them with support or problem solving that like you get to determine where are we celebrating problems? Why? What's our motivation? But I think especially in organizations, creating a culture where problems are celebrated is going to be a very growth oriented culture. And you're not going to be surprised by the data or by the downfall of some of your strategies because people didn't want to bring up the fact that things aren't really working. Now with that, you've got to allow the experience. Sometimes it's going to feel like an insurmountable challenge, an intractable problem in the moment because we just haven't figured it out yet. I see so many people abandoning strategy, abandoning ship, quitting uh, running away from things, moving, shutting down, burning it all down only to recreate that exact same problem in a completely different scenario because they didn't stay the course. Now, what does quitting prematurely look like? I mean, that is a very nuanced topic. I should probably, I think I actually did. I did an episode kind of about quiet quitting when that was like a whole thing, but you get to determine when you're done with something and you know, that's different than when a problem feels like we don't know what the solution is and we've kind of got to keep attacking it. Now, sometimes we don't have any choice. We've got to see it through. Other times it is time to, to walk away and admit we, we did not solve this. There will be a ton of learning in that as well, because again, it's probably a variable or a, a handful of variables that were out of your control. I like to think of it like a matrix, right? So you've got cost and benefit running down the vertical axis. And then you've got stay, go as your like horizontal axis, right? So you can use this for a ton of different situations. And essentially what you're exploring is what are the perceived risks of staying the same? What are the perceived risks of making the change? What are the perceived benefits of staying the same? What are the perceived benefits of making the change? So whether that's staying in the same place or leaving. What I love so much about this little matrix and exploration is that it always surprises me which like square is weighted the heaviest in terms of where do I have the most worries or where do I have the most make-believe benefits? Uh, some of them might be very real benefits in real time. And the ultimate goal with this exercise, there's a lot more to go into, but just for the sake of this particular episode, um, like you want to minimize the costs, the perceived risks, and you can do that for either scenario, staying the same or making the change. So it's not even necessarily about, does this convince you one way or the other? It's simply about taking a step back and going, oh, okay. This is what I'm really worried about. Is there anything I can do right now to address that concern? That's going to eliminate all risks. And then you're going to have a much clearer picture of the benefits that could be achieved if you stay or if you go. Okay. Uh, so with that, last thing I want to say about problems in terms of how you're reacting to them is just notice the sense of urgency. Not many people want to just like wallow in it, right? So the the chances are you are forcing, and by you, I'm absolutely talking to me. Let's just be really clear about that. But like 
every leader I talk to wants to eliminate the the challenge and the problem immediately. There is zero space for the unknown, for the uncertainty, especially when it comes to letting someone or letting a strategy unfold. And that kind of goes back to our previous point. And do we have enough data yet? When we are incredibly reactive and or avoidant of challenge and problems, we may not actually get to the desired end result because we're continually chopping and changing. And so just notice the like the the pressure you put on yourself, the force you put onto you everyone around you, your environment, <laughs> like um, the strategy, because it, it, it just might be premature in terms of what your expectations are. Okay. So why, why change your perspective to problems are awesome. Firstly, it is super empowering. Even, even this concept that the result that we're getting is the result that we want, which can feel a little like victim blaming, and shaming. <laughs> because when we suggest that I did this, I made this, and I wanted it, it can get really like pinchy when we're not experiencing what we want. However, it gives you the opportunity to say like, okay, let's just pretend. And that's so often what I'm suggesting. I'm never telling you like, do this, do that, think this, think that. I'm, I'm asking what if what if we pretend that this is actually our perspective? Do we notice a shift? Do we notice a change? Do more ideas and creativity creep in around the edges, right? So, you know, there there's this concept like, if this isn't a problem, then that means it's supposed to happen, which means like, this is divine timing, right? This is exactly where we're supposed to be in this moment for a particular purpose. Let's find out what that is. When you are changing your perspective and making problems awesome, communication is crucial. So letting people know like, hey, it's okay. So this looks like a mistake. Mistakes are great because that's how we learn. And you're almost, I don't know if you've noticed like how on Zooms and live video right now, everybody is kind of like walking you through their process as they're like dicking around on their computer. So they're like, oh, sorry, a notification just came in. I'm clicking on that. Oh my gosh, this is so distracting. Give me a minute. I'm just going to email that like, obviously you don't, don't need to know those details, but they're communicating with you every step along the way so that you're not left wondering, well, what's happening? Well, am I supposed to dot, 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 right? So I find that to like, that's a pretty basic example, but the point being, as you create change and introduce change, simply communicate that. Hey, this is this is going to be a shift. This is a change. We're experimenting. If you've worked with me one-on-one, -on -one, you know that I am reiterating the point that this is an experiment and we will not know if we've been successful until we get to the end, <laughs> right? Uh, and this this is a very creative process, but it's a systemic process in the sense that this needs to show up a kind of across all areas. Like if a problem is good here, that means a problem is good here. And you build in by systemic. I also mean like it is systems based in that, especially in business, but I would suggest kind of anywhere in life. I mean, I absolutely marry those two for me. You probably get it if you're listening, but how can we create a process that allows for challenge, for problems that actually says, okay, so when we hit a roadblock, what do we do? How do we want to react to problems we don't even know are going to happen? 
You know, I think a lot about the pandemic. I think we all do in the forced closures. No one could have predicted that. No business was doing a bad job because they didn't have 12 months of expenses in the bank. Like some would suggest that's poor cash management. However, some people lost their marbles and that affected the way that they engaged in their lives and business. Other people were like, whoa, there's one of those crazy, unpredictable things we can't plan for. We've been here and done that before. Obviously not this exact same scenario, but they had had experience and know their own reactions. And thus they responded in a way that felt empowering, felt like a choice, felt like something that they were willing to test to see what happened. We're seeing a ton of shifting in our banking system right now. And ultimately, we don't know what's going to happen. And if you've been paying attention, this shift has been going on for years, like five plus years. We've, we, the, the powers that be, the world banks and World Economic Forum realized that banks weren't ever designed to be transacting 24-7, 365 across a global economy. They're designed to like transfer the same currency, the same fiat native national currency between physical locations like Monday-ish to Friday-ish between like 10-ish and 4-ish with an ish long break or two in the middle. And uh, that's just not how the system was designed. So they have been playing with different essentially operating systems and software like languages and protocols to address this. And in testing them, it went haywire. It didn't go well. And so, I mean, that's been going on for years behind the scenes. You didn't know about it. It wasn't keeping you up at night. You weren't stashing dollar dollar bills in your mattress, but people are doing that now because the media has gotten a hold of it. And there's a ton of fear mongering. And I'm actually going to get into this in my next episode in terms of digital currencies and cryptocurrencies and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is we, we literally do not know what's going to be happening in our financial systems and in our economic and political systems moving forward. We've not been here before. Now, we can look back on human civilization and recognize there have been some massive shifts and changes. And depending on where you sat and how it affected you, it was a positive or a negative, but probably overall, we're he overall, we're here. <laughs> so like you and I have benefited from all of those shifts and changes and, and a large degree proof being that we're here. I'm sure there are lots of lessons and, um, both, you know, traumatic and, um, empowering again, depending on how you interpret your past and history and, all sorts of things I'm not going to get into right now. The point being, we have navigated uncertainty before and freaking the fuck out does not create positive results. So we can approach problems like the beginner's mindset, right? But we're always the student. We embrace learning. We're, we're anticipating hiccups and messes and mistakes because that means we're actually trying new things. Like that is a growth mindset, right? And a friend of mine is visiting me right now in my snowy, I don't know if you can see because of the lighting, I'm working on it. Uh, and he's decided to learn to ski again. Now, this is someone who's incredibly successful, very, very confident, you know, big macho male and like learning how to do any sport, uh, especially when you're paying money to spend the day on your asses. It's a humiliating experience, but like so powerful and such a good thing to practice. That's why I like 
embracing problems because we're saying like, I always want to be expanding and growing and I am welcoming the humility and the humbling that's going to come with that. And, uh, you know, you think of that beginner's mindset, like it's a leap of faith, right? Like we're, we're jumping off into the deep end. We're saying yes to something we don't know, but the reality is <laughs> any certainty, any stability that you think you have is an illusion and has always been an illusion. And it's, it's safe in as much as it's safe right now, but the, like, we don't ever know what's going to happen. And we don't spend a lot of time thinking about the catastrophic events that we can't predict because it feels like a waste. But I would, I would drag that across to like all of the problems that are going to happen as well. Like they're going to happen, mitigate risk, make sure you're operating within a realm that feels doable. And also crazy shit's going to go down. Like, are you going to let that keep you from achieving the, your goals or building the life that you fantasized about? I don't think so. Cause that's why you're listening. Lastly, like egoic control, something we talk a lot about here is this, this, this perception that the mind is in charge. And that's kind of what I'm talking about in terms of like the certainty and security that you think you have is also kind of an illusion. We, we feel like we can control all of the outcomes. And I know when I'm super stressed, I zone in on like the micro details right in front of me. I like bitch about someone leaving dishes in the dishwasher or like I, you know, yell at my assistant about an email that's not been answered for 13 minutes when you, I don't answer emails for a lot longer than that. The, it's like the little things I tune into because I, I can, I, my mind thinks I can control those. And so reminding ourselves that like, you're essentially a particle of dust hurling through space without your hands on the wheel and you're doing just fine. Look, whatever that messaging is for you, where you can remind your egoic self, Hey, we're okay. We're cool. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And we're in the middle of an experiment. I, I talk about this a lot, like pick a time, pick a place, pick a result, picks a, an, an, article, a piece of evidence of security and like negotiate that with yourself and, and definitely with someone else. If you're, if you're in partnership trying to do something together, right. But you say, Hey, look, this isn't what I had expected. Let's circle back in 24 hours. I'll call you. Now that's not even saying you have to have figured it out in 24 hours. It's just, we're going to give our, this another 24 hours before we check in here. In that 24 hours, you're going to get more information. You might be ready for that check-in. You might not so on and so forth. Hey, in a week, this should be done. Let me know if you have any problems. Otherwise let's talk on Friday at X time, your ego, you will play like practice this because even just like saying that I feel my body relax. All my brain wants to know is what and when <laughs> potentially who potentially how oftentimes we don't know the how. So you're giving yourself these grains of security to just take one more step forward. It is uncomfortable. And so the last thing I'm going to say, and this is an Andrew Huberman uh, podcast. I'm completely obsessed with this dude now. Um, dopamine is not the reward hormone. We do not get hits of dopamine because somebody liked our shit. That's actually not how it works. That's just total external validation, whatever you need, like compliments or some shit. Work on that. Uh, <laughs> dopamine is the hormone that our brain releases in the struggle. So we keep going. Now, when we get the thing we want, we go, ah, and we actually can feel that chemical effect in our body. So it's associated with achievement. And again, I'm not the neuroscientist. Old mate is 
read just watch him in all of his glory. <laughs> and he, um, uh, I have a type. He checks that box. And uh, in more ways than one. Ooh, I'm all Twitter paid and distracted now. Um, when you can train your brain and yourself, your conscious mind and your subconscious mind to recognize, actually, it's the struggle that's giving me what I need. So when you're on the treadmill chugging uphill or when you're in the middle of a project and you want to quit or when you're having a tough conversation and you're ready to like slam your hands down on the table and lose your cool, if in those moments you can recognize actually it's the struggle that is the reward and that's where I prove to myself I'm capable, I'm resilient, I'm powerful, I can create anything you will increase your capacity for so much more. And you will prove to yourself, I am confident, I am resilient, I am powerful, I can create anything I desire. The result proves that. And what he goes on to say is this is why, like this is where adrenaline junkies come from or like the startup addicts. We get addicted to the struggle, to the challenge, to the push. And when we get to the reward, we're like, ah, give me more. Um, we, we can shift that with some practice and awareness. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. (laughs) Here's another one of my very abrupt stops, but thank you. I am going to be talking about the very real problems in my next one, which is all going to be all about digital currencies and CBDC and cryptocurrencies, like the very, very, very basics. I'm just really tired of hearing everybody freak out about it. And so I have to say something about it. Uh, I'm going to try and take advantage of the fact that there's no people in this house for especially screaming people. I just seriously don't know how caretakers and parents do it. I am still recovering from my full-time caretaking experience from a few months ago. So anywho, um, hi, I'm Nicole BZ. (laughs) You can find me on all socials at the BZ channel. I am, if you're watching this, welcome, welcome to my YouTube channel or video podcast. If you're listening, you can watch. If there's anybody you think that could benefit from embracing problems, please share this episode with them. I'm not going to ask for a review because y'all ain't listening. <laughs> quite frankly, uh, we're, we're, we're beyond 100 episodes now, so this, this ain't going anywhere. Hopefully the lighting gets better <laughs> and the audio quality. I've purchased some new toys, so I'm excited to start playing with that. And you know, I wouldn't be doing this without you. So I love you. I thank you. And I appreciate you more than you will ever know. 